0: Welcome to Geekish Cast, episode 47, Dial Morph for Nerder 2, The Electric Morphaloo. VanishingPoint.biz, How you doing there, John? Pretty
1: good. How's everybody?
0: Doing well. And Doug from Sturk Work. How you doing there, Doug? I'm doing okay. And Paul from pdsmith.devantart.com. How you doing, Paul? I'm doing pretty good. That's good. So, a little bit of housekeeping we're going to touch on here real quick, is we are going to try to do an episode once a month where we specifically focus on 3D art, and this will be the semi-regular crew, and then we'll bring in guests. A few weeks ago, John was nice enough to land pretty much the entire crew from Hivewire, and then through my own electrical ineptitude, I lost the entire interview. And then today we're going to bring him back, but there was a a little snafu in that timing, so we are just going to do our best to get along uh, in this topic today. So one of the first things I wanted to talk about today was, um, and John, I'm going to go to you first. There was a, an acquisition by Daz in the last couple weeks here. You want to tell us a little bit about it? Sure.
1: It seems that Daz has acquired our DNA, the, that's runtime DNA, uh, that was being run forever by, I believe it was Sid Traveler and, I believe, Eric Van Dyke. And that kind of surprised the entire Poser, and Daz community. Yeah, I don't know if anyone's sure what actually happened or why, but um, I'm sure we all know that in the coming months, well, already the RDNA vendors are being moved over to Daz to become, obviously, Daz vendors. All the forums are being moved over to Daz, and I'm sure eventually RDNA will either fold into DAS or, well, be shut down as DAS takes everything over. But it's interesting that such a huge independent site like RDNA would be taken over by someone like DAS.
0: Yeah, and I I cannot think of a time in my life where reducing the number of consumer options ever worked out in anybody's favor. Has anybody seen yet where an RDNA artist who focused on poser stuff has maybe been silenced, shunned, or told to get on board with Daz or they're going to lose distributorship through RDNA? Uh,
1: yes, I have. That would you be, have? Yes. Uh, Mark Fairs actually posted in the Facebook poser group that he tried to talk to the people at Daz. First, they wouldn't really talk to him. Then after about two weeks, they basically said that they did not want his products. Now, he hasn't oh, wow. posted all the details, and I'm sure that may be some politics going on. But yes, the point is that he is at least one merchant that will not be going over to Daz because Daz does not want his products. Okay. And we don't know how many other people are in the same situation. Sure, and and
0: to you know to be fair, since we well, don't he know make
1: the whole story, As product? Uh, mostly I think add-ons for the R D N A figures, and I think the Sixes One figures.
2: So, in other words, uh, stuff that they didn't have exclusive use on anyway. So,
1: probably, but yeah, I don't know which figures, but I think some were made by R D N A, and those will transfer over to Das. Like Star, but I'm he,
2: curious to see where Star goes.
1: Yeah, but um, yeah, I'm not sure of the exact figures or models. So yes, you're right that if he made them for the Sixes One figures, those are not exclusive to Daz.
2: Yeah. Uh, so maybe
1: Daz doesn't want to sell them.
2: Yeah, is uh, Daz going to? My curiosity is: Will Daz pick up uh, things like the little bits, the uh, the Tune figures, uh, Star, to those kind of characters, yeah. or are they going to say? We'll pick them up, but we're going to incorporate them into our Genesis 3 figure somehow.
1: Oh, that could be. Right.
2: They're going to force the the whole thing, and then Little Flame, uh, she may be one of those people that moves on to something else. I'm just speculating here.
1: Right, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah and for right now, all we can do is speculate, because we don't have many of the details and the our DNA merchants aren't really talking yet.
2: Yeah, well, Daz isn't exactly talking either.
1: Right, that too, right. And, and I said, don't know... You said, uh, Little Flame, do you mean Lady Little
2: Fox? Yeah, Little Fox, that's what yeah. I meant. Yeah, Little Fox does what, mainly V4 and her characters? Yeah.
3: Yeah, if I can interject some history here, uh, Daz purchased Poser Pros back in Two thousand and six, two thousand and seven ish.
1: Mm-hmm. Anybody That's remember right. that
3: one? And they absorbed and uh, part of their. I was a vendor at Poser Pros at the time. Actually, then, so so was I. <laughs> and they uh, they made a an offer. If you bring your products over, you would get a bigger cut for like three months. I think it was. And then it would you know they were basically just wanted you in there, kill off the store, and then totally choke you right back out again. That's what mm-hmm. happened to me as a poser vendor there.
0: If you well want to- back in oh six, oh seven, Daz didn't have quite the lock on the industry that you could say they have now either though. No. Their their software was still basically just a Poser clone. And they were essentially still making stuff for Poser that you could use with their software if you didn't have Poser.
1: Right. Yeah, and actually I was a vendor at Poser Pros when that happened and I decided to not go with Daz. So Basically, I lost another store to sell my products on. Right. So, yeah, and I did then
3: switch over, and they, they uh, thats when they started kick screwing kick, me out of the uh, sales. Right.
1: Yeah. Um, and then before that, does anyone remember Poser Arcana?
0: You know. Now you're getting well before my time <laughs> here,
1: so I don't. That was long before even Poser Pros. Um, Poser Arcana was basically like a wiki and tutorial site. All about getting very technical and in depth into Poser. So I don't know why Daz bought it or why that was a good purchase for them, but yeah, that was one of an earlier site that they picked up.
0: Well, and and uh, help me remember correctly here. You guys are better at the history than I am. Um, Bryce did not start off as a Daz product, did no. it? No,
1: that was by Meta Creations. Yep. Around the same time as Poser, uh, what was the, uh, Some paint program, and I think Ray Dream Studio. Okay, so they they actually have a pretty long history of
0: acquisition as a business method. Yes,
1: and I believe Carrera started as a separate program similar to Ray Dream Studio, and then I believe Ray Dream Studio was merged into Carrera before Daz bought it.
0: Okay. Yeah, Carrera. I still don't know where Carrera fits in a modern business model that Daz is trying to do. I, I, that one still baffles me a little bit, but that's a little off-topic for the moment. Um, see, I don't know. You guys probably aren't familiar with the company, but I it, it's a, a distribution company called F***, and they have the same kind of mentality. They go into a marketplace, and if you can't beat them, you break them and buy them, and that's their... oh. I don't want to say that that's exactly what Daz is doing, but it seems like they are definitely trying to restrict access to the marketplace for vendors who do not support them.
1: That's interesting.
0: Yeah, and I don't want to say that's what they're doing, but as an outsider looking in, that's certainly the feel I get when, when acquisitions continue to happen, especially an acquisition of a company. That seems to support not always your product, if you understand what I'm getting mm-hmm. at. Hey. I
3: still think the irony of the entire Run DNA acquisition is that the founders of Run DNA were kicked out of Daz back in 2001 or two. You know, the, that probably shouldn't say his last name, but yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, let's just say a vendor mm-hmm. at the time complained Maybe about he was losing them. sales and several. Uh, Several <laughs> vendors were cut.
1: And he they doesn't formed run DNA.
3: He doesn't run run DMA. D- does he? No, he's got nothing to do with him.
1: Yeah.
3: He complained, and uh, Judith was cut. Traveler was cut. Sid was cut. Right. Know, they had products taken out of their store by Daz because they were cutting into his sales. Oh. And then, okay. then they formed Run DNA, and here oh, it is. Okay,
1: I see what like you're saying.
3: Thirteen years later, and they're buying Run DNA.
0: You don't think that's all out of spite, do you? No, I mean, that's a no, reach, I think. But the, I got to ask the, uh, the management. <laughs> okay,
2: now to you're spend. digging for the conspiracy.
1: Well,
0: maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe I am the cynical one this time, Paul. That I seems kind it, of
1: a long, long yeah, wait I, to buy someone out of spite. Ten, yeah. twelve years.
0: Well, it's like a slow-acting venom at that point, isn't right? It? <laughs> okay, so I reached on that one, <laughs> but I had to ask.
1: I, I mean, maybe. Yeah, maybe a... They had them okay. in their sights all well, this time, and finally found yeah. out that our DNA was—I don't know—suffering or. Well, the Daz- people in charge
3: of Dads back then are are long gone, as we've talked to Chris. Uh, okay. And talked about
0: Dan. Oh, that's true. Huh? We actually we actually know that history a little bit. Um, of course, I deleted that history. I didn't even delete it. it didn't properly <laughs> save that history. But now, nah, oh, gonna—that's gonna hurt every time it comes up, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, we'll make sure it hurts. Yeah. Gee willikers, fellas. Okay. Well, let's move on from that before I really go off board and start trying to accuse the American government of being involved in Daz Studios' <laughs> business practices. But, um, John, well, but, real
1: quick while I'm – oh, go ahead. Well, I mean that is a point because at what point does DAS become a monopoly? I mean you could say they are now because of the way they – As long as the way they,
2: stays in business.
1: Right, but – Okay, well, what point does Das become like Microsoft? They're so large that there really isn't real competition.
2: Well, you've got Apple and you've got the uh, right uh, other operating systems, plus with who knew that Android was going to kill Microsoft's business so, so significantly? Uh, because take a look at everything that Microsoft's doing. Everything is being geared towards the Android now. Windows 10 is basically an Android-based look. It's got the apps. Its interfaces apps-based. Don't be surprised in the next five years that everything you have to do for Windows operating system comes through online services, such as Office. You want to run Office? You're going to have to do it online through a license to access their servers so you can do theirs. Software's been moving that way for a while now. They've been... It's more of an app based. Everything will be app because Microsoft dropped the ball. They Android came through and just started decimating everything around them and they fell behind. No, I could I could see an argument we made there, absolutely. Mm-hmm. The internet market.
0: Yeah. No no no. Right. And and to be fair, now that We're going to go off topic a little bit here, but now suddenly cloud computing is more than storing your files offline. You can now take a small computer with online access to lots of mainframes running software for it. So really all you need is a node at your house, and you can run software over the Internet easily. And that wasn't even really a possibility 10 years ago. Um, I even just saw that uh, PlayStation has a device out called PlayStation TV that plays some games. It's a hundred dollar device. It plays some games, but you can also use it to stream from your a game from your PS4 to this device and play it anywhere in the house. Hmm. Yeah, I think so. I think my Sony yeah,
3: does that too.
0: Yeah, that's. I mean, so we're definitely coming to a point where there's going to be one large computer running software and then small nodes that you have access to. So sort of like Paul's saying, where you've got a little interface that you license on a monthly basis, but the software itself is all stored somewhere else. Um, And That terrifies me in a different way, because the nook is about to go out of business in the UK and Europe. And all these people that bought all these books suddenly realize these books they bought, they don't own. They just licensed briefly until this business model went under.
1: That's right. What's well, going to happen to everything they bought if the Nook servers get shut down?
0: Mm-hmm. They, it's just going to go away. They say they're looking for a way to convert it over, but they don't have to. I'm sure there's a, a term of user license that basically says, look, this book is good. Your purchase is good as long as we're here. Once we're gone, you're shot.
2: Uh, so Go exactly what of- Daz is saying they're going to do with their encryption. They're right. going to have yeah. to come up with the uh, the bitter pill. Unencrypted yep. so people can save those books to their hard drive. Yeah. But Just, then, can, I, can I
3: play devil's advocate here? Absolutely. Well, if you bought a book off a shelf at Barnes & Noble's and took it home, you don't own that book either. You own the rights to read that paper volume in your hand, and if that caught fire, they're not going to give you a free copy.
1: Whoa. But you actually
0: own – hold on. Yep. You actually own the physical book. You can give it away. Right. You can sell it. You can tear the pages out and blow your nose on it. You physically own the
1: book. And if when, something happens to so the Barnes & Noble store... You don't store, own the
0: rights to the book.
3: No. No, you don't own the you, rights You can't to the start book. typing that book and put it online and trying to sell it.
1: No. No, absolutely You not. own the rights to your purchase. So even if the Barnes & Noble store burns down, you still have the book in your hand right, that you like can said, give away book, or sell. If that book catches fire,
3: they're not in well, sure, to right. give you back a copy.
1: Right. Yeah.
2: But the catch is with the eBooks, they're... That's a totally different uh, idea because you're not even allowed to share that with your family members. Once it's on one device, it's stuck on that one device.
0: That's not so true with Amazon's Kindle. You can loan a book for 30 days. Yeah, you can loan
2: the book, but it's got like a timer countdown on it where – Yes, it does. But you can't say, okay, I've read this book, and now I'm going to give this book to this person because I don't want it anymore anymore. it's not like you can go to the used bookstore and swap books.
0: Yeah, well, and that's—I guess I'm getting a little more just just terrified at the concept of not physically owning our things anymore. Because let's just assume that I buy Killswitch Engage's newest album, and then one day Amazon—you know—let's say that it goes broke because or. Or the owner of Amazon dies on his way to Mars, and that turns out that he sunk all the money from Amazon into that rocket ship. (laughs) Now my entire record collection is gone. I don't even have an option to go out in my garage and dig out the CD, because digital distribution of music killed the CD a handful of years ago. You know what I mean? Whereas, Doug, like you're saying, yeah, you bought the book, but you can't... You don't own the intellectual property of said book, right. but the other argument is actually being made for the digital purchase. Oh, I understand. You're, I was just playing devil's. So yeah. Oh, no, no, no. I, I got that. I'm just trying to make the, the counter devil's argument.
1: And to make the another argument, devil devil it would be like if you bought a book from Barnes & Noble, but you could only read it in their store. That's
0: probably So if their
1: store burns paper. down, your book goes with it, and you can't read it anymore, even though you purchased it.
0: Yeah, that's probably the way to look at it. And, you know, I'm going to take this moment to transition to something that John has been writing about on his Facebook page and a couple of poser groups lately. John, why don't you give us your impression of uh, uh, Daz switching to a DRM-based business model?
1: Right, yeah. I've been reading and uh, actually following a bunch of DRM-related articles on tech sites, and those sites talk about how DRM has basically failed – for most companies like uh, NewTek, LightWave, Adobe, um, even Keurig coffee makers, that these companies put so much money and research into DRM thinking they're going to protect their products, and then within a couple hours or a couple days, the DRM is broken. Or, oh, yeah. or you get people who buy the copy with DRM but then go download a cracked version just so they don't have to deal with DRM. So I'm not sure why Daz is going towards a DRM when all these other companies have proven it doesn't work. Now, I understand they think it gives them more control and they think their files won't be shared or pirated, but the evidence for that is just not there.
0: Well, I'd be curious to know, Um, And I'm not trying to be uh, dismissive of their business or the amount of business they do. It's obviously a a profitable business they're in. How much money could they actually be losing to pirating? And how much business could they stand to
1: lose by disenfranchising their users? Personally, I don't think pirating is that big of a deal, as everyone says. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think that the people who pirate and share files may not be your customers in the first place. They're the ones who go out and actively look for free products instead of coming to the website and buying.
0: So you think they weren't involved in the market to begin with? Right.
1: They're going to get free stuff, and that's
0: all they're going to get. Right.
1: Or they're collectors. They just want to go out and say they've downloaded it and they have it, but they'll never use it. They may trade it with other people. So, yeah, why try to fight and get those people when they're not your customers? Instead, the Daz and any other company should look at their existing customers and figure out how to market to them to get them to buy even more. But, yeah, now locking down their purchases, adding DRM and all that is really not the way to go.
2: Well, they've changed their policy on that. that a year from now, supposedly it won't be uh, locked
1: All right. I'll buy a year from now then. Yeah, that's
2: (laughs) that's exactly the case. A lot of people are putting that product that is now for sale now at thirty percent, forty percent discount and they're putting it in their wish list and then they'll come back a year from now when it's unencrypted. Right. Now those Daz will probably do the secret thing of slowly creep the price up so they can get a little bit more profit.
1: Or Mm -hmm, sure.
2: During that time you can pretty much guarantee the pirates have figured out the entire way to hack the way through this of course. whole thing. And there will be pirate sites all over sharing
1: this. Right. And I mean, no no offense to Daz, but if pirates can break Adobe and Microsoft DRM, um, can Daz come up with a better solution? They cl- uh, well, they have. May- maybe they have. Okay.
2: But I look at it from this point of view also for they're locking everything in. The stuff that they've locked up sucks. <laughs> Straight up sucks. I have. I'm not even interested in buying the diorama stuff because it is horrible. Um, it doesn't suit my what I'm looking to buy. It is terrible. Huh. Uh, there, it doesn't serve multiple purpose uses for anything. It is terrible. Whatever they're aiming for. Has got to be the prepubescent uh, market. Uh, they're, hey. they're marketing the wrong individuals because it's terrible.
0: Hey guys, I'm gonna I'm gonna go on mute for just a minute here, if you wouldn't mind, kind of carrying on without me. I'll
2: be right back. Okay. Sure. Okay, now we can absolutely go nuts without him here. There
0: we go. Well, right. oh, wait. I I can
2: still hear you. <laughs> oh darn. <laughs> <laughs> Let me make sure. I but yeah, with on. the uh, what I've seen so far. Uh, let's see. They took the, a canoe. And they made that. Can
1: um, okay.
2: okay. And not if I'm really interested in doing some of that. I'm going to go over to uh, Share CG
1: and right, download was...
2: what you can do there, and I can get one for free. Um, granted, it you... may have extra features and bonus things on the side, but I'm sorry. But
1: uh, yeah, but if you go, go to Share it's... Share CG and download it for free. It works in Poser. It works in Dash Studio. It might have an OBJ file that you can import into other software.
2: Or as not, what I'm
1: not locked.
2: As I'm working with you, I can pull pretty much anything I need from SketchUp Warehouse.
1: Oh, that's right. Yeah. And
2: I can alter that into an OBJ. And I can retexture it, and I can alter it. And the quality, as we've seen with the Shark Ship. Is
1: incredible. Oh, that's right. That came from the SketchUp warehouse, right? So then, you know, what's the advantage of having that DRM? Well, unless it's to lock in people who won't leave Daz. And I think there are a lot of people that stay at either Daz or Renderosity and just don't go to other sites for whatever reason.
2: I think most of the people that DRM is targeting is the new people, the brand new people who haven't been around, haven't oh, looked around. I know be. if I first started off in this hobby, I would have looked at it and going, okay, this is the way that things are. My eyes aren't open to seeing what they're really doing. But I've been around for since '08. Oh, yeah. So I've kind of seen how things have changed. I was there at the opening door of V4. It, V4 literally released a couple months before I showed up so I never got to see that the V3 mm-hmm. but I got to see the incarnations of V4 as it grew up from V4 to V4.1 to
1: 4.2 <laughs> I was there for the original V1 I remember when they switched it to V2 and V3 and V4
2: yeah but I can just imagine Uh, It's the new people who are coming in. They're going to see this lock-in. And most people don't even want to go to the forums and see how negative the people are really feeling. You look at their icons. A lot of people's icons are saying no to it. They don't want it. Oh, really? The only reason I go to the forum and I don't interact anymore, I pretty much stopped for the last two months because I can't get in. I can't log in my access to it so I've been surfing it at work and well my work doesn't allow me to log in Mm -hmm. so I'm just reading them I'm just reading the forum Mm -hmm. I print out what I need for how to do my IRA settings my shader settings take it home and experiment Okay. and what am I having problems with their forum Uh, every time I log in I get myself into a loop of log in, log out uh the record was me counting up to 258 times. I sent a wow, trouble. record. Wow. They sent me an email a week later that showed me they really didn't care about their customer base. Wow. So well, I didn't first, bother to respond.
1: First of all, why did it take them a week to reply?
2: Exactly. I dropped, maybe,
1: you're, uh, maybe you wanted to buy something. When I dropped
2: the bomb on Saturday to them saying I needed. I was having troubles. I couldn't log in. They never replied until uh, that Thursday or something why bother okay right, yeah. obviously i am insignificant to them they i don't they don't care about their customer base now if i was flashing dollar signs saying that i was part of the dod and i was looking to do a $20,000 contract <laughs> with them because i am going to demonstrate how to do my material safety on an aircraft carrier i will bet you they will be kicking my door in
1: right yeah but because
2: I they, do have that kind of position.
1: Yeah, but they don't know that. Maybe you're just they looking. do now. In the, they just heard it. Well, yeah. Well, my point is maybe you're just logging in as yourself to download a, a free model or two, the Vicky6, for example. It's free. You're going to log in. You're going to download it, check it out. And if it works for you, then you'll talk to them about a $20,000 contract. But you can't log in. You can't get the model. Oh, well, you'll look for something else. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But
2: yeah. Do, you, I mean,
1: do you have anything running on your computer, like a JavaScript blocker? Or I've... or is it just the site refreshing no, or reloading?
2: Um I killed the JavaScript, I killed the Shockwave, I killed the Silverlight, which Microsoft doesn't carry anymore. They stopped, so why do our computers keep updating saying we need it? (laughs) (laughs) Go figure. I removed those. But yet, I still get myself into the loop. I don't know what's going on. I'm not going to trouble myself with it. Right, yeah. Because it's only with the forum that I have the trouble logging in. Okay. With the store, I can log in, I can do my purchase there. And honestly, I haven't done much of a purchase because I'm not, I'm not impressed. You know how they did this, this March was supposed to be a huge March Madness. Last year's March Madness with GF2, uh, they had so many established artists making things. This time they, it's for mainly three and they're doing IRA. It's only been around a year. Again, It sucks. The selections are terrible. They've only had a couple really significant outstanding items for the entire month. Now granted we're only we're not even two weeks into the month, but hey, they kicked off the month a day early for March Madness and they still suck. <laughs> I they have lost touch with what I'm seeing. When I showed the guys at where I work, they looked at it and they're like, Okay, that's not impressive. Uh, I'm not – okay, so she looks good, but can't you do that with this older skin? They're like, yeah. <laughs> so it's a big deal. Why do we, why do you need to have this new body when you can do it with this older one?
1: <laughs>
2: and I was like, because this is what they want you to think. This, it's kind of like the government telling you what you need to know.
0: Well, you know, I'm gonna, I'm back, and I'm going to kind of interject here. Have you guys? Are there a lot of people using Genesis three? Because I don't see a whole lot of it outside of Daz showing stuff on their site. I don't see a lot of stuff going up yet with it, besides vendors.
2: Uh, I'm trying. I'm trying to use it in my graphic novel, but I just I am frustrated with the power pose, and I am a hardcore power pose user. Mm-hmm. I have worked with uh, Dav Rob and he said he would contact me in regards to getting this fixed because it's a pin thing on the arms. They tried to make it look more realistic, and it does. When the arms bend and twist, it looks more realistic, but they've killed their power pose feature with this, and they never bothered to update it. In fact, they haven't updated it since Genesis came out. Yeah, well, you updated Uh, it for Genesis, too. I've been babysitting this program with updates I've been putting the all sorts of things to help it along. I'm not getting paid for it, mm-hmm. and but I use it exclusively for all of my graphic novels because I can pose a person way faster than anybody else. Now maybe it goes contradiction to their store because hey, you can buy a pack of poses. Why use Power Pose when people could build their own poses in seconds?
1: All right, well, yeah, that's, I wouldn't say a conspiracy theory, but that is a good idea because they sell so many pre-made pose sets. Buy a set for $10, you have 100 poses, and just apply those to the figures. I'll instead use, of, instead here's, of using an example. Something. here's an example, for the Power
2: Pose and Daz, now, we were going to go into some tips, so we'll call this a tip. <laughs> sure. Uh I was teaching... Uh, Shadowhawk1, Roy Knight, how to use Daz Studio. And he is a hardcore poser user. He's been using it for a long time. He would not use it. I told him, give me six hours. Six hours I can teach you studio from the ground up, and you won't go back. I put a lot of my reputation on the line, and all of it was surrounding use of power pose and teaching the render settings. So what you're saying is, once you go daz, you never go back. No, is that how that saying goes? I, once I teach you power pose, you will understand you can move the characters because you're used to using V4 imposer in, in studio. Everybody is using the same methods for moving things. You use those pins on the arms. You have the little rotating mm-hmm. ball. I don't need that. I don't. I need showed it me. when when I was over at your place, uh, Jeremy. I showed you power yeah. pose. I showed you how fast I can move a character in pose.
0: Oh, absolutely. And it worked really well. And you know what? Here's, here's one of the reasons I bring this up. And, John, you get you get a lot of the same emails I do. Hey, Jeremy, when is Trailblazer coming out mm-hmm. for this? Hey, Jeremy, when is when are you going to release your Imperial Alien for that? So I started asking people and they emailed me. I'm like, so... What characters, what are you using now? I mean, because I need to know, guys, are you going to adopt to Genesis 3? Are you not? Are you going to, you know, do something else? The, out of people contacting me, some people are like, yeah, I've got some Genesis 3 stuff, but I'm still primarily Genesis 1 and M4, Genesis 2 and M4v4. and M um, I have started asking people about Hivewires characters, Um I am interested in trying to do more with them, but I think there needs they, there needs to be a big push to get people on board with them. But the reason I was curious about Genesis 3 is for – they're the big dog. They're the 500-pound gorilla, and it seems like only content creators are really adapting to Genesis 3 so far.
1: Well, I wonder if part of the problem is because it's so hard to use the G3 characters in Poser. Yeah. That it either doesn't work or people don't want to go through the whole importer process. Well,
0: there's there's that. But, John, like you and I released my outfits for Poser and Daz. And I would have people on, I would see them on the Daz forums going, yeah, I saw this outfit, but I can't get it to work in Poser. Mm-hmm. And I'd try to tell them how. They're like, not too complex. Right. I think that has something to do with it. I think that has a big something to do with it.
2: Yeah. Uh, the other one is, for the Genesis 3, the neck alone is two pins. The shoulders, two pins. The, ar- the upper arms are two pins uh, for movement. You have a lot more points for movement and turning and bending than Genesis 2. Uh, V4, awesome. Genesis 2, awesome. I don't even discuss Genesis <laughs> I just use I use Genesis only because it has certain clothing and certain hair that was a nice uh shift from one outfit or one character to the other. Yeah. Uh like the well, I did,
0: Defiant? I did kind of Yeah, the Defiant the uh was that all the one Yeah, that was the one that replaced the Courageous and uh Valiant. Yeah. Um, But there was a thing I liked about Genesis 1, is that it was a gender-neutral character that became both male and female. Oh,
2: that's great for monsters.
0: You can make Uh, (laughs) those
2: gender monsters in a heartbeat.
0: Oh, yeah. And I was trying to make, for those who know Star Trek, uh, Telosian, which were acted by women, voiced by men. So you need need a more feminine-looking character, or almost more gender-neutral. And the Genesis 1 character worked great for it, because... You didn't have to change anything. You had a scaled down figure with slightly feminine features that worked great for a Telosian character. But um, you know, guys, let's quit beating up on Daz and let's <laughs> let's let's start getting ready to wrap this one up. Uh, Doug, you had a question. I'm going to throw this to you and let you ask it since it is your question, and then we'll all try to answer.
3: All right, what makes you the happiest in, when you're working in 3D? When you hit render, when you see your picture, when you're posing, when you're making a character, what what uh, tickles the trigger there?
2: Anybody, go. Okay, right. I, I, since I, I'll hit off with mine because I do the graphic novels also, like Doug. Um, makes me smile when I'm actually doing the posing of the character. Uh, I, believe it or not, I actually take on the facial ref- actions of the characters as I'm doing them. And since I prefer to do happier characters, I'm actually smiling at the same time, catch myself at it. That's kind of cool. Yeah.
0: So, uh, Paul, do you model your uh, facial expressions for your characters? I mean, do you kind of go mug in a mirror to see how they look, or what do you think?
2: Um, for the face, I'm using some of the ones that are already plugged into G2F. Okay. But when it comes to the actual pose, how they stand. Uh, I use myself and how I'm standing. I may stand up next to my desk and take a look at how I'm standing for a walk, maybe uh, some sort of a reflexive stance to get an idea for the – how are are your hands resting? And I've always – the hardest part is to always remember, and I've actually got a checklist in front of me to make sure, uh, dead render face. Got to remember, never have that. (laughs) Uh, It's the one where you have no action on the face. It's the same dead pose. The zero 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 (laughs) on all. God knows if you go to so many websites, so many art sites, you'll see dead render face.
1: And you you wonder why that is when it's so easy to just adjust a dial. Because everybody forgets about it. Forget it. Yeah.
2: And the hands—they forget. Nobody realizes how a hand will rest. Take a look at how your, your hand is resting right now. Well, I have my pinky in my nostril, but I guess nobody really—nobody, <laughs> nobody
0: really needed
2: to know that. I guess but you, when you're posing, I, I find I—I enjoy that little bit of it because I see how the natural state is, and I try to reflect that in my poses. And and I use power. And I use power Got to hammer in. I love that. (laughs) I will teach anybody studio, but I gotta have power pose. Otherwise, forget it. I won't teach you. Okay, Hmm. John. God, there's. Go ahead, John. Right.
1: So let's see. Um, I used to really enjoy making models Um, when I would create a lot of models from scratch, I would enjoy the process of figuring out the different things that go into it. For example, a a Starship Bridge set, I would start with a top-down view, but then figure out the heights of everything compared to the poser people, so that the chairs have to be so high, and then the railings have to come up to this level on the poser person, and then which, how to make the chairs so they can move. Um, I enjoy doing that. But then I also start enjoying making the images as well, um, especially making humor images, because I thought they were funny to make.
0: Right on. Okay. So. Yeah. And for me, I think these – I don't render as much as, as I create these days. Um, For me, the thing I enjoy most is also the thing I find most frustrating. It's when you come across a problem for the first time and solve it. You know, you've got pixels that line up improperly or bones that don't line up right. I love solving the problem, but I have to tell you, at the same time that I like solving the problem, I've also got 30 projects I have stopped because I am not sophisticated enough to fix the problems I've had in some cases.
1: Ah, so. uh, like how about
0: you?
2: the Ahsoka Tabard.
0: Exactly. That is that is it exactly. That outfit is sitting in the nether regions of hell right now. Yeah. So
3: how about you, Doug? Uh, I like it when I'm working on a likeness of somebody, and I hit that render button, and I come back a minute or two later, and, and it's, oh, it's dead on, or somebody will walk by my desk and go, oh, you're working on so-and-so. It's like, ah, there we go. Run oh. That's
0: always That's always nice. Yeah, especially my first couple things that I tried to make were uh, Star Trek morphs. And a couple I nailed, and a couple were so fucked up, you'd have no idea who they were once you rendered it out. (laughs) So, I understand that one completely. Yeah, I've done enough of the negative pile myself. So, So guys, um, let's go ahead and get ready to wrap up here. Is there... If you had a quick thing to share or something you'd like to get out or not, just let me know. So, Doug, anything you want to share with my us? My favorite tip from the last two years is in Poser.
3: Haha. <laughs> We're going to say Poser mm-hmm. since somebody else will talk about Poser here.
0: Mm-hmm. We'll
3: get that next it's episode. The, uh, I'll make a note The, the checkbox right for the not viewable by camera or, you know, not visible to the camera. I can't tell you how many times I would be all set up with a render, hit render, come back, and my stupid camera is in a wall.
1: Oh. And, I didn't that's... Realize.
3: <laughs> and everybody just said, "Oh, cuz we've all done that." Yeah. So of course, you know, I got in the habit of checking and then in you know, the latest version of last two versions I think of Poser, you could actually just make the wall not visible to the camera. You fire through it, but the wall will still bounce up on the uh, on the ray tracing. It's awesome.
1: That's a good that's idea. Nice. Yeah. So, my tip for that would be to go to your render settings, set it to the lowest possible setting and the quickest uh, speed and then just do a spot render where the wall should be.
3: Well, I just it should used only take a,
1: now. right yeah, it should, <laughs> should only take a few seconds to see right. if the wall is there or not. If it's there, hide it. If not, render the scene.
0: Okay. That's all good. Uh, Paul, you got a tip or something you want to throw out there real quick I before we go? Threw
2: mine out there with the big oh. thing. Oh, you threw it out there, that's all right. <laughs> yeah, oh, it it's all yeah. over yeah. the place.
0: Yeah, that's true. And I guess the one thing I'd say, and this isn't specific to 3D rendering, but it is helpful. Don't be afraid to experiment. Don't be afraid to try, and don't be afraid to fail at something. If you think you want to learn how to do something, jump in with both feet and do it. And then, if you suck at it, you know, figure out why. That's really the main thing I would say. It's just a render. You're not wasting film. Right. Yeah, and and, like Paul said, ask. Don't be afraid to ask people for help. Don't be afraid to ask people how they've done it in the past. I think you'll find the poser slash Daz community, for the most part, to be pretty friendly. There are a bunch of dickheads floating around, but they're very often the same guys that you run into in each forum. So (laughs) you'll you'll learn to avoid them.
1: All right. And (laughs) along with that, and here's my tip. If you see something you like, whether it's a model or an image, ask the person how they made it. Maybe they'll share their tips and ideas. So, yeah, yeah like you were saying, don't be afraid to just ask somebody.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I find as a, if people ask me how did I do something or how can you do this, quite often if I don't know, I may not have even encountered it or I may have just done a workaround. So I've got to go learn it so I can go teach somebody else how to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And I find I actually learned more in the last year about studio because Shadowhawk Roy kept asking me questions as he's learning studio. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. You, know, you may be asking them a question for the first time, and <laughs> there may be a lot of people who have been sitting around quietly waiting for somebody to tackle that. Yeah, it's
2: not like we have a manual
0: for this program. <laughs> Well, I believe I believe Poser has a manual, but I can tell you for a fact that Dash Studio does not have a manual. Does not? Wow! Does not.
2: No, we Paulo uh, from Reality. Uh, he did a manual a couple of years ago, and it was incredible. It was, but it was detailed towards selling his product in one section, which is fine. I would do the same thing, but it's yeah, it's absolutely. the closest thing we have for a manual. But it's it's outdated already. And this online garbage, well, just go online and look. As soon as a new version comes out, the online wiki is useless. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's absolutely certain. And I think Smith right. Micro is actually going to the same thing as Studio is because I don't think Superfly has a single thing. When it came out explaining all its settings, it was basically here. We've got Superfly here. You figure it out. Now tell us how it works. All
1: right? Yeah. <laughs>
0: All right. All right, guys. Well, let's uh, let's do a quick sign off here. John, if people want to find your websites, your stuff on the Internet, where can they look for you at?
1: Sure. Go to vanishingpoint at uh, www.vanishingpoint.biz.
0: All right. And Doug, if people are looking for you on the webs, where can they find you at? Darkwork.com. Excellent. Paul, how about you? PD Smith at DeviantArt.com. OK, And real quick, before I sign off, um, I want to say that very often, as we are talking about 3D art, it is three, four, five, six, middle-aged, whitish, straightish men sitting around talking. So if you're listening to this and you're maybe Jewish, Muslim, Hindu, part of the LGBTQ community, uh, a person of color and you would like to get in on the conversation, please just email me at Jeremy at geekishcast.com, or shoot me a, uh, a tweet over at Twitter, at the geekishcast. I'd love to hear from you, and if we could work it out, I'd probably love to have you come in and join us. We are going to do this once a month. Doug, I believe we are going to steal your name, which is Dial Morph for Nerder as the separate show here. You don't have to steal it. It's yours. Oh, Perfect. <laughs> And um, so, guys, you can find us at GeekishCast.com. On Facebook, we're at Facebook.com slash GeekishCast. And I tweet from at the GeekishCast. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you again soon.